This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Good evening, good evening. Day after Rishchidosh Ador Shani. Tuesday night. Baruch Hashem, good to be back. Alright, we're going to start off with, um, of course, Mitzvah Hashem. It's, today's the second, so we have a couple of, two weeks exactly. Um, well, not exactly, but Mitzvah Hashem Purim is coming up very soon. When does Purim come out? Matzah, uh, this year, Matzah Shabbos? Matzah Shabbos Sunday. Okay. So, we're going to start off with the Bnei Saschar. Very fascinating Bnei Saschar. And then we'll go into the Megillah. So it says the following. Why is it called Purim? Why is this holiday called Purim, right? So everybody knows that it's called Purim. Why? Purim Hashem Apur. That, um, that he was Hippel poor, right? In the Megillah. What did Haman do? Haman did a girl. Now Haman was a very big, um, very big sorcerer. And he came up with the idea of when to um, to kill the Jews by throwing by doing a lottery by a lottery for the day a lottery for the month right so it says in the first month, it was the month of Nisan. In the twelfth year of the king of Achashverosh, Hippol poor. Now, Hippol poor who are girl of Nehaman. It means Hippol poor means that a lottery was chosen, right? Who are girl? This is the girl of Nehaman that was in front of Haman. It's very. Weird. It should have said that Haman, right? And Haman did, did the gyro. It sounds like someone else did the gyro. And the gyro was in, was in front of Haman, right? What does this mean? This is the girl that was in front of Haman. Hippopur means sort of that the, the lottery was done. But it doesn't mean that he did the lottery. So Menei asked this. He asked two questions. That was one question. The other question he asked is, right? I can't call the Yama Elo Purim Hashem Apur. So he says, very, it's an unbelievable question. He says, the royal says, lay, Manishtana, Manishtana, right? Wrong month, but whatever. Manishtana, Kriyat Hashem Amoyed Azem, Mikal Hashem Oshel Kalamoyadim. Why is the name of this holiday different than all the names of all the other holidays? What's the difference? Shashem Oshel Kalamoyadim, Nikol Hashem Anais. Every holiday is called after the miracle of that holiday. Hainu Chaga Pesach. That Hashem passed over all the houses of the Jews and he didn't kill the Bechorim. Right? What is it called? It's called Chagamatzis. Why? That they were in such a rush when they went out, right? That they didn't, uh, didn't become sour dough. We eat matzahs. Sukkos. Right? Why is it called Sukkos? Because the Jews lived in Sukkos, when in, in different tent, in tents, in these trans, you know these these buildings that were called Sukkos. That's where they lived. Okay, so um, so therefore we see that the Yom Tovim, right? Chagmatan Torah, Purim, Purim was a bad thing that Hippo poor that he made a lottery. Right? It was Haman. We're, we're naming it after Haman. 
We're naming the holiday that we were saved from Haman after something that Haman did. We should be naming the holiday after something that Esther did. Right? Or we should be calling the holiday Esther. Or Mordechai. Or the, the big miracle that Hashem did. We're naming the holiday Purim after the lottery that the Russia wanted to destroy us did. It was, there is no such holiday. We don't, we name holidays after the Yeshua, after, after how we were saved. Not after, or the core, Chagamatzos, the core of the holiday. The core of Purim is not the lottery. We don't do anything on Purim to remember the lottery. We do things on Purim to remember everything else. We don't, we don't anything to remember, you know, we don't, we don't sit there and, and, and play and, and, and put some names into a hat and pick them out, right? So why is this holiday called after something that Haman did? This is what he, this is what he's asking. Khan here, Tilahepach should be the opposite. Karushem Amoy Purim, Hashem Apur, Hashem Haman Pur, who are Garulara Yisrael. We're naming it after the lottery that he wanted to hurt Yisrael? Very, very good question. So he says the following. This is very fascinating. He says that every month, Every every month is um, compared to something on your head, right? Desire talks about this a lot. Tishrei Gulgoyles. You know what Gulgoyles means? Your neck? Your skull? Yeah. All right, because it says because the Gemara said the Mishnah says in Perkei by Hillel Rug, he saw a Gilgal, he saw a, 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 a head, a skull floating down the water, and he said, whoever, whoever drowned you is gonna get drowned. Taka, right. So Gugolis is a, a skull. So Tishrei is a skull. Machesman and Kislev, Chesman and Kislev is Bezos Nayim, two ears. Machesman is one ear, and Kislev is the other ear. Teves and Shvat are Bezay Nayim. Teves and Shvat are, each one is a different eye. What is Adar? Your nose. Adar is your nose. Adar, bechinas hachaitem. That's your nose. What does your nose do? Baitoli chushareach. You're able, your nose is used to smell, right? Smell things. I've talked about this before. All these other parts of your head, all the other parts of your senses, seeing, hearing, touching, tasting. There are five senses, right? Smelling, tasting, seeing, hearing, touching. Four of these five senses were used when we did the Avera with Adam from the Etzadas. We touched the fruit, we ate, we tasted the fruit, we listened to the Nachash, and we looked at the fruit. The only thing we did not do, right, the Chava did not do, or Adam did not do, was smell the fruit. So the only thing that's not Tomei from the Nachash, from the snake, from the Avera, the first Avera that we did, is smell. Smell is purely spiritual. For a body doesn't get anything by smelling. It doesn't do anything for your body. So, that is why, Motzei Shabbos, when your Neshama Yisera goes away, your extra Neshama goes away, and we have to replace that void, we have to replace it with something holy. So we replace it with Bissamen that we smell, because the only thing that wasn't Pagam, that the Yetzirah, the Satan, didn't make Tomei when we ate Neitzah Das, was our smell. So therefore that replaces the void of the Neshama till, till Shabbos comes back. That's why specifically we make a Barim and summer. Okay. So, Al-Kain Kulam, all the other senses, this Bagmu and this Gashmu, Bechayi Adam they were 
they were plaguing, they became possible, they became no good because of the, the sin of Adam Rishon. Masha'enkin chushareach, except for smell, who had double to Neshama and has Mimelulayah Guf. This is something Neshama gets, um, you know, uh, gets, gets Hana, enjoyment from, but not the Guf. Akain, therefore. This chush of smell was given to the Melech HaMashiach. Fine. Okay. Now, so he says here that, 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 um, all the other things that we did, that it's Hadas made our bodies weak. We so you'll die. The day that you eat from this tree, you'll die, which says, because it weakens the body. Smell gives you more kayach. Okay. So he says the following. With this, this Haman Arasha, whose kayach came from the Nachash. Now listen carefully. This is really next week's share, but I'm going to say a little bit about it this week. Right? Oh, no, that, that would definitely kill, that would kill me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's enough sugar in there. If I drink that, I'm gonna say, th- I'm gonna say things I shouldn't say, or I should say, actually. What? A cup of water would be good. Fine, thank you. He says the following, listen to this. There's a whole thing about the, about, about the, what, what, what went on a Purim, a Mitzvah next week. What went on a Purim has a lot to do with Haman, the Eitz Hadas, right? The whole thing. The whole thing was a huge plan. There's a, there's a whole fantastic message, but it's not my speech tonight. Mitz Hashem next Tuesday night. We should all be gazon. Thank you. So, this whole Haman thing, and this whole Purim, and, and, and the Nachash, is all from all the way to the beginning of time. In fact, if we look into Bereshis, so the Gemara says, Haman men minayu. How do we know um, Haman from the Torah, right? Because it says But Yaima Hashem said to them after they ate from the tree, who told you you're not dressed? Is it possible that you ate from the tree you're not supposed to? So Haman men minayu. how do we know Haman from the Torah? From the word, same letters. Hamin is hey mem nun. Hamin to h I said sibisichol built the alchav b'menol chalta. I have a little dvatar. I want to say it to my own. I never saw it anywhere, but I'll, I'll I'll throw it out there tonight. So so Haman, his source comes from the eating of the tree. Same letters. Haman and Hamin to h I said sibisichol built the alchav b'menol. Is it possible from the tree I told you to eat you, not to eat you ate from right? It's very nice. You found the word in the Torah that has the same letters, right? What does one thing have to do with the other? It's very nice. It works out. No, and the answer is no. Because that was the source of Haman. What was the source of Haman? Haman was the richest man in the world, it says. I saw a medjish this, uh, this week. Some people say he had 10 kids, 10 boys. Some say he had 50. Some say he had 250 kids. I guess for many different wives, whatever. But he, but he, but he had, he, he was the most powerful, I mean, after Achatverosh, or maybe even more than Achatverosh, he was rich, he was powerful, he was the man, everybody bowed down to him, except for one guy. One guy didn't bow down to him, Mordechai. Right? 
He had everything. Why is he bothering you? You have all the money, you have all the kids, you have all the power, you're the, you're the man. So there's this one Jew, some rabbi with a beard, right? That every time you walk by him, he doesn't bow down. Who cares? Who cares? You have everything. Not only that, I'll go further. You know how, how, how bad he was? That after, so he was jealous, right? It bothered him. So now, he got Achashverosh to sign that he's going to be killed with all the other Jews. Good now, right? You got him. You got them all. No, nope. not good enough. He has to hang on a tree that's ten almost high, and, 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 and he has to die before everybody else dies. Everyone's going to die anyway, so, so what you're worried about is going to be gone, right? No, still bothered him. And that was the whole problem with the tree. The problem with the tree was Hashem said, you can have everything. The whole world is yours. Adam Chava, whole world. All the animals, all the plants, all the flowers, everything is yours. There's two trees that I want you to eat from. And actually, the Medjah says, Isaiah says that Hashem just wanted them to wait for Shabbos. On Shabbos, they wouldn't have been able to eat from the Yitzhadah. So it was a couple of hours because you created on Friday. So all he needed to do was wait a couple of hours. Right? No. I want to have everything. The Nachash, well, that's what he worked on. He said, can't you eat from all the trees? In other words, he worked on, can't you eat from all the trees? Isn't everything yours? No, not everything's mine. There's two trees I can't eat with. <laughs> Hashem is worried. That he made a whole right. So the the, the the main part, the source of the avera that that we ate from the etzadas was jealousy. In other words, if you can have everything, why do you want this guy's car? You have a nicer car. You have a nicer wife, right? It's interesting that Sarasadibros, right? I always wonder why doesn't just say, "Don't be jealous." It doesn't say that. It says, don't be jealous of his chamar, his shar, his wife, his house. Just say, capital letters, don't be jealous of anything. And the answer is, that the Torah is trying to tell us that, 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 that everything, that, that people are, are jealous. You have your own wife, you have your own car, right? You have your own stuff. What are you looking at the other person think for? Right? So you can be jealous. He goes from his house to his wife to his chamar. He's jealous of his donkey. Right? You can be jealous of someone's pen. It's crazy. I, I, I can tell you that I know it for a fact. It's, it's a crazy, crazy midah. And, and that was what got her to eat from the Eitzadah. So, Haman bin Atayra, where is Haman in the Taira? Where his source is. His source is Hamino Eitz. His source is from jealousy. Haman should have let Mordechai go. Look at the story. It's his whole downfall. It's his whole downfall. So Mordechai didn't bow down to him. No, no big deal. You're the next king. You're the next everything. You have everything. What are you making yourself crazy? Some one Jew didn't bow down to him. All the Jews bowed down to him. One Jew didn't bow down to him. That was it. That was his source of his destruction. So from the Torah, let's talk about where it comes from. Hamino eights. That's, that's Haman. I was thinking to myself that, that, that there's another, there's another word in the Torah that says, hey, mem nun. And that was the mon that came from Shemayim. That's not where 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 he comes from, right? But I was thinking that Haman. It says it says Haman. It says Hey Memnun by the mon. That the mon was just the opposite. The mon was it tasted like whatever you wanted to taste like, not what the other guys taste like. So that Hey Memnun is the opposite of this Hey Memnun, and that's maybe why the mon. 
This is my own shot. I didn't see this anywhere. The, the mun was called Lechem and Hashemayim. The mun was very, very holy. They put it away forever, right? Because the mun was the opposite. The mun tasted what you wanted to taste like. Not what he had, but what I wanted. That was the whole kayak of the mun, right? So if I, I wanted watermelon, not because he has watermelon, I want watermelon. So the, 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 the mun was the opposite of this hummun, and I, again, I didn't see it anywhere. It just happens to be the same three, it just happens to be the same three level, three letters. So that's the opposite of hummun. The opposite of hummun, the opposite of hamina eight, right? It's all about you, it's about you, it's about what you have when I don't have. The mind was the opposite. Mine was what I wanted to taste like. Don't do it what you wanted to taste like. But I wanted to taste like that's what it tasted like. Even that didn't work in the end, right? They wanted meat. They wanted this. They wanted same same deal. They had the mud. It tastes like everything. No, we want to taste the meat in between our teeth. It's it's a, it's a it's a not being satisfied, not being a shemech with chalko. So this was Haman. Haman, if he had just left everything alone, he would have been the king. He could have done whatever he wanted. But no. This one Jew didn't bow down to him, made him crazy. The same thing happened with the Eitzanas. There's two trees that you wasn't allowed to eat from. So he says here, fantastic. So he listen to this. He says that, um, so, so, he says that Haman, who was the Nachash, so he wanted the Jews to go down the same way he got Chava to go down. And how was that? Through Achila. His whole Koyach, what was the crack of the, of the Satan, of the Nachash? He got Chavah to eat from the tree. So Haman's plan, and this is what we're going to talk about next week, Amir Hashem. Haman's source was talking to the Nachash. Amalek is a Nachash, right? So he said, I got them once by eating, I'm going to get them again by eating. So he planned the whole party, the whole meal of Achashverosh, so that the Jews should sin once again the same way they sinned last time. They should sin by eating. By sinning by Suuda. And by doing the same Avera, by eating. That was his koyach. That's why he got them to eat from Suudah's Purim. But he made a very, very big mistake, and that's why we call it Purim. And what was the mistake? As follows. So he says, Right? How do you get Adam to die? Because he ate from He wanted to do the same thing. So what happened? He made this pool, this poor, this lottery. And what, what did it come out to? It came out to the month of Adar. Adar, who bechinas achaitem. Adar is the one thing that we didn't do wrong by the tree. It's the chaitem. So the one month that the nochash, which is Haman, has no power over us, is the month of Adar, because Adar represents smell. And that was the one thing we didn't do. Now, he didn't know this. So, Hippopur is Hashem made the lottery with fun of in front of him. And Hashem made it come out on the one month that the Nachash has no Kayach, on the month of Adar. Why doesn't the Nachash have Kayach in the month of Adar? Because the month of Adar is Chaitim, is smelling. And that was the one thing that Chava did not do. She did not smell. It's So, he says, and he goes further, listen to this. So, he says, Right? And this is the one sense that is forever. He because Adam Rishon didn't didn't do this sin. Akain, he says, therefore, the two people in Megillah's Esther that saved Klai Yisrael, what's their name? Mordechai. 
Now, Mordechai, if you look in Unkelis, where, where it talks about the Ketores that we brought in the, in the Mishkan, right? So, one of the, one of the, um, one of the ingredients in the Ketores was called Mordurar. That's what it's called, right? Mordurar, in Unkelis, translates it Mordechai. So what does the word Mordechai mean? Right? It's a name. What's the name mean? It means Mordurar. It's a spice. It's called Mordurar. It's a spice. Mordechai's name is a spice. What is Esther called, guys? Hadassah. What's Hadassim? When you crush Hadassim, you make a, all the Svadim use them. You make a Bari, right? Bari Atzim So both names of the two people that redeem Kleistrol were also based in smell. Hadassah with the smell, and Madura with the smell. And that's something that Haman had no power over. Haman had power over the other four senses, because that's what Chavah did by the tree. But he had no power over Mordechai, and he had no power over Esther. And that's why, oh, this is amazing. And that's why it says, it's all tied in. When Mordechai found out what Haman, what was supposed to happen, so it says in the Pasuk, when Mordechai went to the middle of the city, by Yizak Za'aka Gedayla. And he gave a very loud scream, but it doesn't say what he said. It just says he gave a loud scream, it doesn't say what he said. It doesn't say what he said. Give me a sitter for a second. From the back. Say Ketiris in the morning. It's fine, perfect. Say Ketiris is very fascinating. It's I think it, the Gemara brings it down anyway. But every month, every month represents a different part of your head, right? So one month is this ear, one month is that ear, one month is the eye, the other eye, the mouth, the lips, the mouth, the teeth, the head. Twelve months. Adar represents your nose, your chaytim, your nose. Which represents smell. The one thing she didn't do was smell the, the Eitzadas. So the one thing that Haman, who comes from the Eitzadas, his whole source of the Eitzadas, has no power over us is smell. Esther is Hadassah, and Mordechai is Mordror. Their names are, are, represent smell. So that's why he had no crack over them. Now we say, we say every morning, well, at least the Svadim do, right? Um, Uh, I'll call you up for up someone. Yeah. Tanya of Nathan Aimer. Kishu Shaykh Amahadak Hedi 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 Why? Shahakal, which means the voice, Yafa is good, Lapsamim, for Lapsamim. So, it says, I don't know what that means. What does that mean, Shahakal Yafa Lapsamim? That when they used to make the psalmim, they used to sing. That a voice, for some reason a voice, makes the psalmim good. Also when it comes to cooking, whatever it is. So that a voice makes it good. So he's saying over here, that again, this is all very Kabbalistic. The whole shir I'm giving you so far is very Kabbalistic. That Mordechai knew that their whole power was smell. Right? So it says, He gave a loud yell. It doesn't say what he said. He didn't say anything. 
just give a loud yell so it should be a kol. Kol yofalap samim. So the fight over here was or smell against Haman. Right? So he says, was that tough? And now we understand the Chayesh Arisha when the Pasik says, he built pool who, who had girl of Haman, right? Who was this people pool, right? Didn't Haman himself do this? No. He says, we, we see from here that a Kurdish Baruch Hu did this. And a Kurdish Baruch Hu made it come out in the month of Adar because that was the only, only thing that he could not fight because Adar represents the smell. And he says, and that's how Kurdish Baruch Hu creates the, the, the Rufua before the Maka. This is very, very, very fascinating. And that's a, that's a B'nai Sesecha on why it's called Al-Kain Karoli Yom Amele Purim Al-Shem Because the, the poor, actually, which we thought would be for the bad, right, ended up being for the good. And that he didn't, he didn't make that happen, Hashem made that happen. So that's why it's called Purim, even though, um, even though it has nothing, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Yontif, just the opposite. It has everything to do with the Yontif. And that's why it's called Purim. The whole, the whole miracle of Purim, which we're going to talk about now, the whole miracle of Purim is hidden. It's all hidden. We don't understand, you know, everything that looks like to us, like a regular holiday, whatever it is, it's a very deep, well, this is a very big war. I'm going to, next week I'm going to learn with you the Medrash. It was a war. Achashverosh and Haman set up this whole party in Shushan to destroy Klai Yisrael. It was a very, it was a plan. They knew they could never get Hashem to sign a decree to destroy Klaishal only by assimilation and, and having that party and serving them, they got them drunk and they served them from the Kalim of the Mishkan, which is, which is Mayel Behegdish, Yechai Misa. They used the Kalim of the Migdash to serve the food and the drink to the Jewish people and the rabbis and everybody there drank from the Kurdish, from the, it's Me'ilah, Me'ilah's Bakaytish, Yechai Misa. So they were all Yechai Misa. So it was, it was a huge setup. And don't think Akashverish was stupid. He was very much in this. He was worried because Nebuchadnezzar got killed. He was worried, like, why do you think we're going to be able to make it? And Haman was very brilliant. He said, we are going to anger their God. And the thing that gets God the most angry is assimilation. And that's what they got. They got us to assimilate. And how did they get us to assimilate? By serving kosher wine with kosher waiters. Probably had Jewish music. They probably had Zmiris on the table. Right? And they knew that the Jews would go in, and he was standing outside the club, so to say, Mordechai, and he was screaming, don't go in there. And they were all saying to him, why not? The food is catered, black kosher, the wine is, is being served by Jewish waiters. That's why it says that everyone got whatever they needed. What does that mean, that everyone got whatever they needed when it came to drink? That the Jews got um, wine that was served by Jewish waiters. And that's always the trap. The trap on the internet, the same trap. You know, there's shiurim on the internet, and there's business on the internet, and there's homework on the internet. And everybody come in, you know, enter. I always tell you, it doesn't say on the keyboard exit. It says escape. Whoever, whoever wrote the keyboard knew exactly what he was writing. It, doesn't, it should say enter and exit, right? What's the opposite of enter, exit? Whoever wrote the keyboard wrote escape. Why do you write escape? Why do we need to escape? Why ESCP? Right? I didn't write it. I would have wrote an escape because I know that when you went through and you get trapped. Whoever started the first keyboard, all the keyboards say it. There's no exit on a keyboard. There's only escape. That's the way it works. They sucker you in like a fish. It's like a fish. 
the fish, I, I was just telling this to somebody in Eretz Yisrael. So the same, the, the word that I hear from kids who, who fall very hard and very rapidly, I always, they, they always ask me the question, even though I'm not the guy who fell, right? Rabbi Wallstein, I don't know how this happened to me. How did this happen to me? I'm like, why are you asking me? You're, you're the guy who fell, right? Like, you're Michal Shabbos, and you're with the girl, and you're texting on Shabbos, and, and you're doing all this stuff. Like, how do I know why, right? But the question that kids always ask me, like, how did this happen to me, right? And, and, and the answer is that it's, I, I told him, I said, the best way I could explain it to you is like a fish. I was a very big fish, I was a big fisherman. So we used to go fishing for pickerel and bass. We used to use minnows. Minnows are all these little teeny fish. Bass go for minnows. They like, you know, to watch the fish swim. You know, so if you have a fake fly or whatever, but I used to use real minnows. And, and let's just go into the, to the mind of the fish. Right? So you have this hungry fish. He's starving. He needs lunch, right? All of a sudden, he sees this fish or worm or whatever, whatever the bait is, you know, floating through the water. What is he thinking? Thank you, Hashem! Lunch! I can't believe you sent me lunch! I'm starving! This is amazing, right? He's thinking, this is the greatest moment of his life! He's floating around, he's starving, and God just dropped a fish right in front of him! Or a worm, or a bait, right? And he's like, oh my gosh! And he's like, you know, right? Not a shock or whatever, right? And he sees this thing floating, he's like, oh man, oh man, lunch, lunch, lunch. He probably closes his eyes before he bites it, right? And he bites it. And all of a sudden, as he bites it and he feels the fish in his mouth, right? Boom! He's out of the water in one second. So how did it happen? Right? How did it happen? Because it wiggles a little bit. If it wiggles too much, there's something wrong with it. Right? Take it easy, watch it, maybe let another fish take the bite and see what happens, right? By the, by the time he thinks that he has lunch, he becomes lunch. Yitzhara works the same way. The way Yitzhara works exactly the same way. It's a little wiggle, it's a little this, oh my gosh, it's good, I need it. And before you know it, what you thought, what you thought you're gonna have to enjoy, he, the Yitzhahara is enjoying you. You're, you're becoming, you think that thing belongs to you, in the end you, be, you belong to him. In the end you're the slave, in the end it's escape, not exit. Escape means, escape is a slave or a prisoner. Escape means that the people don't, whatever you, whatever's containing you doesn't want you to get out. You have to somehow try to get out. So by the, by the, when the, when the, when the guy's watching the movie, or the girl, or the moment of pleasure, or whatever that is, and he's thinking, right, he's thinking in the physical world, oh, I got the fish, right? Yitzhahara's pulling you out of the water, and then all of a sudden, you're out of the water, and, and that Avera causes you, Avera grows Avera, and all of a sudden, you're not davening, and you're not putting a trill in, and then all of a sudden, you be Michal Shabbos, and all of a sudden, kosher doesn't matter anymore, minya doesn't matter anymore, and you think you got lunch, in the end, you became his lunch. And it happens in, in, in Mamish, it happens in one second. And that's what happened to Christ. The only one that saw that was Mordechai. Mordechai was standing outside, he's like, the kosher wine and the kosher food and the zmiros on the table, it's a trap. And they're like, no, it's not a trap. He really loves us. 
He's throwing a party and he cares about the Jews. So he hired Jewish waiters and he got caught kosher food. And, and, and he's saying, no, he doesn't love you. That minnow that's floating in the water, that ain't your friend. Because there's a hook underneath there. And there's a guy standing in a boat in a world that you don't even understand. That you can't even breathe once he pulls you out of that water. You're gasping for breath. and like, what are you, crazy? Why would someone give me a beautiful lunch? Why would someone give me lunch and then pull me out of the water where I can't breathe? So the Jews were saying the exact same thing to Mordecai. What's wrong with you? You're, you're some crazy rabbi. You're Wallerstein talking about Zumba. You're out of your mind standing by the door and saying that Zumba is something that's it. You're crazy. It's exercise. It's, 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 we have kosher food at this party. So we have, you know, the, the, they had the, what's it called, bowl over there, Hanukkah bowl, I don't know, whatever it was, right? And they invited all these boys and girls to this, on the, on the internet. I don't even want to think about what they're going to do on Purim, right? And they advertised kosher food, bring your tefillin, we're going to have a minion in the morning. Okay, so the minion will be five guys and five girls, but they don't write, they don't write that, right? But we're going to have a minion in the morning. We have, and, and guys, if they said, we're going to do every Avera tonight, okay, certain guys will go. All right, I'm not going to tell you not. But the good guys are not going. But no, it's kosher food, and it's this, and it's that. And, and, and Mordechai was standing at the door, just begging the Jews, don't go into that room. Don't go into that club. This is not for us. But the, but the advertisement says kosher food. And the advertisement says kosher waiters. And maybe even someone got up and gave a bar Who knows? And I said when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I said, and look at the end of the party. Now you had all the, the whole, all the good people were there too, right? He invited Vashti to come down undressed and dance on the table. What happened to all the Jewish people? Why did they run? Doesn't does say, right. Doesn't say in the Megillus Esther that when he invited Vashti, everyone got up and walked out. He invited Vashti to dance on the table undressed. Because Haman was the Nachash. And Haman understood. Just get him into the room. We get him into the room, they're ours. Mordechai was the antithesis of the Nachash. And he said, just don't go into the room. And he stood at the door and he said, just don't go into the room. No, no, like I hear from the girls and the guys. No, I can go in there, but I'm different. You know, everybody else can't deal with this stuff. I can deal with that. I can, I can look at this stuff. It has no effect on me. A kid told me this week. I can look at this stuff and I, you understand what I'm saying? It has no effect on me. I'm like, then you're very, then you're very ill. There's something very wrong with you. <laughs> you need to go see a doctor and something's very wrong, right? What does that mean? What does that mean? No, I, I, I see this. I, I, I can handle it. No, you can't handle it. That's you, that was the whole machlekes here. Machlekes was one guy. There was only one man. His name was Mordechai. He stood out and said, don't go in that place. I know it's kosher. I know it's exercise. And I know it's all that stuff. Don't go there. It's going to affect you. And in the end, a woman can dance on a table, the queen, and you're going to still be there. You won't get up. What? What are you talking about, right? You tell them, you crazy? Kosher food and everything. Who's going to dance on a table and still be there? You out of your mind? The answer is, it doesn't seem because that's anyone got up. She never made it. But the, oh my God, they asked the queen to go. We're all out of here. We're out of there. He got them all. And Hashem said, I'm wiping you all out. You're done. Because you went into the party and you assimilated. And the only one that didn't, and the only one that could save Kleistrow, was Mordechai. Who stood out there, and I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, the Medrash says, they hated him. They hated him, and they put him up 
on, 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 what's his name over there? The failed Messiah. And they put him out all over the place. And they said he's a lowlife. And he's this. And people were talking about him all over the place. And everybody hated Mordechai. It was all his fault. He didn't bow down to Haman. Meshuggah a rabbi, crazy rabbi from Brooklyn, stood outside the door and said, no one's allowed to go in. Meshuggah, what are you, crazy? Meanwhile, because Haman was laughing. He was laughing on the other side. Go, yell at your rabbi. Go, because you know what? You're all going to go to the party? You're all dead. Your old God's going to sign your death warrant. That's how bad it's going to be. And the only one that understood that was one Jew, and his name was Mordechai, and man, did he get it over the head for it. Read the Midrashim about what they said about Mordechai. He stood there and he said, I'm begging you, don't go into that party. Kosher, glock kosher, with your black, you know, dressed up like, like you're supposed to. In the end, they drank wine from the, from the kalim of the base Hamigdash. No one in this room would even dream of touching a kalim from the base Hamigdash. They ate and drank from the kalim, Kaddish Kedashim, the Kabbalists that were brought to Hashem. The best Jews were drinking wine for those, they were, they were drunk already. They were drunk. And, and you have to read the Medjish Rab on this. It was a planned assassination of the Jewish nation by, by Achishverosh and Haman. Two of them together. Totally planned to destroy us. And it worked. And if it wasn't for a crazy miracle, we would have died. Because Hashem, for the first time in the history of the world and the last time, signed our death warrant. And that's why it says... The Mordechai Yoda, it's called Hashem when it says in Perik Dalat, Pasig that Mordechai found out everything that happened, says Rashi, and then he went into the middle of the city and he freaked out! Started screaming! Well, he's like, Sarah, good day, Lamara! You know, if we found out today that, um, the Iranians said they're shooting a missile to Jerusalem to destroy a nuclear missile, destroying the whole Israel, right? And we found out here in America, or in, in this Israel, that Rafkhaim Kainesky, our God Lador, went into the middle of B'nai Banak and said, Oh my gosh, it's over! We're finished! We're all done. If, if Rav Chaim says that, have a good day. Rav Chaim has to say, don't worry about it. We have Hashem. We've been here before. Go back, go learn Torah. Go Davin. Stop saying Lashon Hara. Do Mitzvahs, right? That's what a Gogol says. He doesn't, he doesn't panic. He panicked. Mordechai was the leader. He panicked. He went into the middle of the city. It doesn't even say what he screamed. He just started screaming. Ripped his clothing put ashes on his head, started screaming, man, if you give up, you were the one guy that didn't let anybody in the door, and you give up, we're done. Why did he freak out? And especially of, of, of all the people, Mordechai was not scared of Haman. Mordechai did not bow down to Haman, right? So now that you found out that Haman wrote this, now all of a sudden you're going crazy? You should have said, Haman, I'm scared of Haman, I'm scared of Achifers. Hashem will save us, he was the Gadol. So Rashi has this problem. It bothers Rashi why he went into, why he went into the, so Rashi says what happened. Rashi says, oh no, he didn't find out, he didn't find out, um, that Haman and Achshrosh wanted to destroy Kleistrel. Umarachayada says Rashi, Balachaloim Amaloi. The Balachaloim, that means the angel of, of, of dreams came to him, and she, and he told him, she is Skimo Yoinam Lakach, that Hashem agreed. He found out that what did he find out? Not Achashverosh and Haman. He found out Hashem signed a decree with his signet ring that we're done. When he heard that, he panicked because God was always the one that saved us. 
Here, God's the one that's saying, I'm going to kill you. Like, so that's it, we're done. If God says, I'm not saving you, we're done. So he, he just started screaming and yelling. He said, this is the first, we're done. What? Baal Chalim came to him in a dream. The same one with that story, Ruge Malchus went up, you have to... So that's, that's why he went crazy. So that's what Purim was all about. So we went from going to a kosher party with kosher wine, Jewish waiters, and and mezuman with benching. Right? We had a mezuman there. And all this from Kite, we went from there to Hashem signing our death warrant. Because we weren't allowed to walk into that room. And Mordechai begged everyone not to, and he was the bad one. So, so this is really, and this was the plan of the Nachosh. But our mazel was that the month that was he was supposed to destroy us was the one month that we were not connected to the Aveira of the Eitzadas. That was the one month that we were not connected to the Eitzadas. And the whole Aveira of the Eitzadas brought us to Misa to die. So the one month that was connected to smell, which disconnected us from the Eitzadas because she didn't smell the Eitzadas, that was the one month that could save us. And therefore it's called Purim, Hippo Pur, because Hashem, if we were to come any other month, we were done. We were done. There was no way out. Because it came out in that month, and that's not a month of Misa, because that's not a smelling, we didn't, we, we're not connected to the Eitzadas. Haman's whole power as, as, a, as, a, as connected to the Nachash, who he served, his whole power was the Eitzadas. The one thing he didn't have power was smell. And the one month that it came out was Ador, which is smell. So because Baruch who he built poor, Hashem made it come out on Ador, actually Ador Shady, right? He was the one who he built poor. He thought he was he built poor. He thought he was making a lottery. Hashem made it come out on Purim. And of course, he did not know that Moshe Beno, he thought it was a great month for him. You know, it was a very bad month because Moshe Beno didn't only die in that month, Moshe Beno was born in that month. So it was like information that he didn't have. Now, so I, I want to, just tell you about the importance um, and I may have said this last year but I, I said it all over at show. I think it's very important whoever's listening to this so that they know the importance of, of, of Purim which we very mistakenly take very lightly and we drink and we get drunk and we get crazy and really it's not a day to get crazy and according to Shulchanach you should drink a little bit um, but you should a lot of people should just go to sleep and when you sleep, you don't know the difference between Bar- Baruch Mordechai. By the way, Baruch Mordechai and Arahamon are the exact same gematria. I think it's three, if you do it, figure it out while I'm talking. Um, whatever it is, Arahamon and Baruch Mordechai are the exact same gematria. So when it says that you shouldn't know the difference, that means you should only drink enough that you can't add them up. That's not so much for people. Some people don't even have to drink. They can't add them up. <laughs> right? Some people don't even need to drink at all, according to that. But, um, what? Just a little bit so that you can, so that you don't know, you can't, uh, you can't, so that you don't know the difference. Really, they're the same. So if you drink a little bit, you can't add it up. It's like you're off by one, you drank enough. It's not a day to get throw up all over the place and get yourself drunk. That's not what it's all about. By the way, which is very interesting. Drinking, why, why, and this I said in Medrash Shmuel, by the way, I read it from a Medrash Tanchuma last week, and when I was in Israel. Why do we drink wine? Specifically, why can't you get, why can't on Purim, if that's the thing that you should get mixed up between Baruch Haman and Aram Mordechai, right, Baruch Haman, right, you should say Baruch Haman and Aram Mordechai, why don't you, why can't you drink whiskey or beer? 
specifically says you should drink wine. Why specifically wine? So there's two reasons. One, to correct the wine that we drank by the Suda, which got us drunk, which made us for whatever it is. But why do we drink wine altogether? It seems to be there's something very special about wine. We drink wine, we drink wine Shabbos for Kiddush. We drink wine by Brismila, by a wedding, by Pidyan Haben, by Siam, right? What, what's the deal with wine? Why is wine so important? And the answer is that according to many, many of Chazal, the Eitz Hadas, right, was a vine. And that she, that it was grapes. And the Medrash says, and the Zayar says, that how come he didn't recognize, how come he didn't recognize, he knew what the Eitz looked like, right? So when she brought him the fruit, how come he didn't recognize that it was an Eitz Why did he say no? Why didn't he say no? Right? And the answer is that she, it says suck, she, she squashed the grapes and she served them wine. So it was from the Eitz but he didn't recognize it. He should have asked, what is this? But Lamaisa, so the first Avera, that was ever done was done with wine. And therefore, the tikkun for this Avera is all the times that we use wine to be makadish, to make kiddush. Kiddush is the opposite of what he did with Yeh Sadas. So it's just interesting that the Nacha, that Haman, who was the Nachash, right? What is it called? What is the Seuda called? Seuda Sachashverosh, what is it called? Let's see. What is it called? It's called as following. Vashasiya Kadas. It doesn't say anything about the food. Vashasiya Kadas. Ain Oynes. They gave them to drink. They did not force them. By the way, the measure I'm going to tell you next week. Why does it say that? Why would you force somebody? You invite someone to a party, you're forcing them to drink? So the Pussy is telling Kadas, the drinking was according to your will, right? Ain Oynes. They didn't force them. Because the king made a rule, right? At this party, right? He made a rule. A korab, basically, that everybody, don't force them to do anything. Just give them what they want. A rule? Of course he gave them what they want, right? And this, this was a sudas of wine. And the wine was flowing like the hand of the king. And the Medrash says, which I'm going to read you next week, that specifically... When, when, um, when Haman was sitting with Achishverosh and they were trying to get the Jew, trap the Jews, Haman told Achishverosh, if we're going to make the Jews drink, then they're going to have an excuse. They forced us to drink, right? So they, they, for us to destroy them, they have to drink on their own will so that they can't say anything. So the king made a rule. And he said, you're not allowed to force anyone to drink. Because if you're going to force someone to drink, the Jews don't have an excuse. Everyone has to drink on their own. So it, it wasn't stopped that he made a rule. No one is allowed to force anyone to drink. They don't want to, because it seems to be in Persia, if you, if, if they, they make lachaim and you don't drink, your head's off. In, uh, in other words, it, it's insulting the king, whatever it is. But here he said, like, no pressure. Haman said, don't pressure them, because then they'll have an excuse to God. They should just, just let them do it on their own. Yeah, let all our kids go online on their own. Do all the stuff that they're on. They can't say that anybody, that anybody forced them to do anything. That's his, that's his kayak. To schlep you, to, to bring you to the door, but you gotta come in the door yourself. Cause if I schlep you in the door, you have an excuse that I schlep you. Anyway, this was a mishta of Yayin. 
right? Specifically wine, because this this was this was he, he the nachash. That's what he knew. He he was trying to to remind Hashem of the avera of Adam of eating from the etzanas. That's what he was trying to do. And the avera was grapes and wine, because that's what he taka brought. That's what he brought. To, to, to Adam. That's what Chabar brought to Adam. So this was a Mishtayayin. He was taking us down the way he took us down the first time. It was the Nachash, it was Haman, it was exactly the same Avera by drinking, by drinking the same thing. And, and, and the only one that understood this was Marachai. And Marachai maybe understood it because he wasn't part of that because he was more drawer. He was, his custom, he, he came from smell. And smell wasn't affected. So he was able to, haha, Jewish joke, you know, Rabbi Joe, he was able to smell that there was something wrong. But seriously, he, he realized that there was something wrong here. So this whole setup was to bring back the Nachash, was to bring back the Avera of the Eitz And Baruch Hashem, it came out on Purim, that it ended up on Adar, and that's what, that's what saved us. That it ended up, and that's why it's called Purim, because everything's secret, and, and that it came out on Adar, otherwise we were done. So the, 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 the refuah came before the makkah. The, that it came out on Adar was the refuah before the makkah. So it's amazing. And that's why the Yantif called Purim. Otherwise it makes no sense. Why are you renaming a holiday after the Russia, what he did? Then the holiday after us being saved. And the answer is Purim. And he didn't do it. He pulled pull Milfanov. The lottery was chosen before him. Hashem did it. He didn't do the lottery. Hashem did the lottery. So Hashem brought the refuah before the marker. Okay. Let me just go fast to the, to the end over here, to the, a very important point. And the point is as follows. So, Mordechai knew that Hashem signed Xerah. I've told you, I've said for the last 10 years, of course, the famous question that Eliyahu Navi came. And he said to Moshe Abenu, I want you to daven for Klai Yisrael. Moshe Abenu said, I don't know, how's Xerah written? Is it written in ink? Is it written in blood? If it's written in blood, then I can't help you. So he went back to this world and he wanted to see how Haman wrote it. And Haman wrote, he them. You should write the Xerah to the king to, to destroy them. Lo'avdam spells Lo'badam, the same word. Lo'avdam spells Lo'badam. Eliyahu ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, Oh, we're so lucky, we're going to be saved. It's not written in blood. Right? And he went to Hashem. Now, the question is, who's blood? Hashem doesn't have blood. So what does it mean that Eliyahu asked, Moshe Rabbeinu asked him, is it written in blood? God doesn't have blood, right? So now he went down and he saw that Haman wrote, Lobadam, La'avdam, right? So there is no blood. So he's very excited. But the question is, where does his blood come from? Well, you, Hashem doesn't have blood, and I'm sure he doesn't have like a vat of someone's blood next to him. So what's his blood, right? So we spoke all the years. In a, in a world of no time, Hashem has no, there's no time, there's no sun. There's no moon. In, in Hashem's world, there's no time, right? There's no going around the sun. There's no, there's no 24 hours. There's no minutes. So in a world of no time, past, present, and future is all the same moment. Right? It's all the same moment. Even the, in, in, in the... We just had in the uh, Olympics where they somebody won by a hundredth of a second. So even as human beings today, we could take a second and split into a hundred parts. So in the middle of the second, let's say you're at 50 parts of the second, you're in the middle of the second... So the first 50 parts is your past. Where you are right now is your present. And the next 50 parts is your future. So we could take one second today and split it into future, past, and present. In Hashem's world, there's not even one second. It's all one second. It's all one moment. Right? 
I mean, my past can be my past can be your present. You know that. If I'm if I'm watching a basket, I went to a basketball game, and there's three seconds left, left, and the guy from the Knicks is about to shoot from the corner, and I'm screaming at him. No, there's a guy underneath the basket. Pass it to him, and he shoots, and he misses, and the Knicks lose. Okay. Now I go home, and my chavrusa he taped the game, so he doesn't want me to tell him what happened. So I saw the game already. So the game is in my past, right? But right now he's watching the game. It's in his present. Because he doesn't know what's happening, right? And then there's three seconds left, and he's screaming at the TV, Idiot! Pass the ball! And I'm in the kitchen, I'm like, he won't. <laughs> and he's going to shoot. And he's going to miss. Is it any way possible that he will pass it? For sure not. It happened already. He cannot pass it. I was there. Right? So my past, I'm in the kitchen, my past is his present. And the guy that didn't see the game yet, because he's coming in in a half an hour, it's his future. That's the best way you can explain the Zayar in the world of no time. That's the, that's the only way you can explain it. So, so this is very deep. So when he asked, when he asked, Moshe Rabbeinu said, was it written in blood? That means, look at the Zayar, is there blood? In other words, did the Jews die? Because the past, present, future, when Hashem signed that they should die, they're already dead. Because in a world of past, present, future being the same moment, when Hashem signed it, they're already dead. So he wanted to know, is there blood? If there is blood, it means they died. What am I going to pray for? If there is no blood, it means they were saved. Then I'll go pray. You got that? Okay. It's a little deep for this time of night, but that's, that's what it means. So he ran back and said, There's no blood. So Haman wrote they should die. There's no blood. They did not die. Okay. Now, being that Hashem wrote that zero, we were actually dead. It was the first time that Hashem ever wrote to Klaisrael that you're dead. On top of that, we had nowhere to go. Mordechai was our enemy. We didn't like him because he's the one who didn't bow down to Haman who got us into all these problems. So he wasn't going to help us. We didn't have no more Moshe Feinstein. We didn't like Mordechai. What? He, Mordechai got up and told everyone that he had a dream. We just said the Rashi. And the Baal Chaloyim said that Hashem signed you off. The Malach came in his dream and told him, you're done. Right, you're done. No, he just told him you're done at that point. Mordechai's on this world. With the outblood is Eliyahu and Moshe Amenu in the other world. Mordechai thought we're done. So they thought Esther going to save them. Esther is, is a Jewish girl. She's married to the king, right? She like, like we just found out that the, that the Ayatollah of, of Iran, right? Just married. We, he doesn't know that. They don't know that. But we know who he's married. Just married an Israeli girl who happens to be a Mossad agent, right? We're, we're not, we're not gonna be too worried about him because, you know, she'll take good care of him before he can hurt us, right? But what happened here is they, they trusted Esther to save them. And then all of a sudden, it came out that Esther invited Hitler, Yamak Shemo, to her party, Haman, the enemy. And then she invited her again. So everybody thought, oh, she's sleeping with the enemy, right? So she got power, became a queen. Uh-huh. She sold the Jews out. So she sold the Jews out. God signed us off. Mordecai is the one who got us into trouble. We had nowhere to turn. First time ever. We had no one to turn. No Moshe Rabbeinu, no Yeshua ben Nun, no God. We're done. What did Klai Yisrael do? Kimu v'kimu. Instead of walking away from Hashem and saying, well, you signed us off, have a good day, I'm going to become a guy, we did the opposite. We fasted, we davened, and we were makabal the first time in our lives, Torah, That never happened before. Hashem gave up on us, but we didn't give up on Him. We always gave up on Him, and He didn't give up on us. 
A Purim, he gave up on us, and we didn't give up on him. What? Totally opposite. Venahapachu. That's what's called Venahapachu. Let me explain this to you so you understand it. We'll end with this. So there's this little boy, and his name is Chaim. And his friend got a new bicycle. And he goes to his father and he says, I also want to have a new bicycle. His father says, I bought your bicycle two years ago for your Afikoman. I'm not buying you a new bicycle. He said, come on. He says, no, you're a spoiled brat. I'm not buying you a new bicycle. Your bicycle is beautiful. It, it rides very well. I'm not, every night this kid bothered his father. I want a new bicycle. I want a new bicycle. I deserve a new bicycle. He said, what are you talking about? You're not doing well in school. You're not behaving yourself. I'm not buying you a new bicycle. And I'll tell you what, if you ever ask me again, I'll tell you right now, I'm taking your other bicycle away from you. That's it. I don't want to hear from you anymore. Okay? You have a nice bicycle. I don't want to hear. If you say one more word, done. You don't even have your bicycle. Okay. Next day, this kid, nine-year-old, little Chaim, nine years old, going to school, says, don't walk, don't walk, don't walk. He looks down the street. There's a car far away. He runs across the street. He forgot to turn the other way. Car, 60 miles an hour, hits him. This poor little kid goes flying to the air. Head bangs on the floor. Cracked his skull. Hatzala comes. They're like... There ain't much we can do for this kid. They call the parents. They're like, get to the hospital real fast if you want to see your kid alive. Because he's not going to be, he's not going to be here much longer. The parents, of course, are panicking. They're going crazy. They drive to, they, they, they're calling every yeshiva on the way there. Daven for my chayim, daven for my chayim, the kid that, the yeshiva that he goes to, and, 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 and call Kaira to all the shuls. They have to put up signs. Chayim, these are Fushalim, Chayim, and this one. It's, the whole place is going crazy. They get to the hospital, and, um, they say, where's our son? They're like, he's in surgery. They're doing open brain surgery. And they're davening and they're calling everyone. And everyone's davening. Everyone's crying. Ech, poor little Chaim. He's the cutest kid in the world. Two hours later, a doctor walks out and says, I really have bad news. I'm really sorry. In the middle of the operation, his heart stopped. I lost him. I'm really sorry that your son passed on. And they're like, what? What are you saying? He says, I did everything I could. I did everything I could. And the mother starts shrieking and screaming. Father's going crazy. Can't believe his kid just went to school. And now he's freaking out, freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, but he remembers they're not allowed to touch him. They're not Jewish. He says, let me, I, I, he's, I, I, I gotta call, I, I gotta call the Chavra Kadisha. He starts looking at his phone, Chavra Kadisha. He finds it. He calls him up. Hi, it's, it's, it's my son. And he start, he can't even get it out. He says, just come to the hospital. Like, what's your name? What's your name? He goes, I don't really know my name. I don't know what to, I can't believe I'm calling the Chavra Kadisha. He's going crazy. And all of a sudden this, the doors of the operating room open up. The doctors were the doctors with them outside in the waiting room, and the door and this nurse comes screaming out. And she goes, "Doctor, doctor, you got to get back in. We worked on it. We worked on. It. We got a heartbeat. Uh, we got a heartbeat. He's alive. We got him back. We got him back. You got to come in. You got to finish the surgery." He's like, "What are you talking about?" I walked out. It was flatlined. And I, I know, but we worked and we worked and we got him back. He says, "Okay, okay." He runs back in there. The parents are calling up everybody. Oh my God, Chaim was gone. He hangs up with the Chavah Kedisha. Have a good life, right? He goes, he goes. Oh my God, my son was gone, and now he's back. And he's calling all the yeshivas. He got a double daven, double daven. They got him back. Hashem's making a miracle. Everyone's going crazy. Two hours later, the doctor walks out. And says, "I don't know. I've never seen this before, but I finished the operation. He's alive. I don't know if his hands are going to move. He's going to be able to hear or see or think. That I can't tell you." But we're going to take him off the anesthesia and in two hours. He'll wake up. We'll see. And they start calling everybody. You have to dive in help. That he should, when he wakes up, he should be able to see. He should be able to think. He should be able to move. Fine. Always davening and fasting. Be makabal. Not to talk Russian horror. Not to, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing. Not to go to Zumba. Okay, whatever. I had to say that. But anyway. Right? Everybody's makabal on a bunch of different stuff. Anyway. Doctor comes walking out. He says, we just woke him up. And um, do you want to know what he said? And they're like, yeah. And like the first thing he said, 
Where am I? We told him a hospital. He said, where's my tante and mommy? We took a CAT scan. Bleeding stopped in the brain. We t- tested his hands, his feet, his hearing, his eyes, his pupils. I don't understand it, but he, he's, he's, everything's working. Can we see him? Can we see him? We're bandaging him. We're sewing him up. We need another hour. Hour later, the doctor comes out and says, go, you can talk to your kids. And he comes in. The father bends down. He says, hi, Em. I just want to tell you I love you. And by the way, just, just get better. Don't worry. When you come home, you're going to have a brand new 10-speed racer, new bicycle with a big red horn and a big fat light. And we're going to get you a helmet. And we're going to get you the best bicycle that Twitter has. And he goes, thank you. <laughs> okay, they go back out. They tell everybody, right, fine. Two months later, he's, he's ready to come out of the hospital. They make a big suit of Saidah. They come into the house with him. All the families there, all the friends from Yeshiva with big cards. Big, huge bicycle in the middle of the living room. Right, with half a Toys R Us. Teddy bears, Wheeze, everybody that could bought him a present and, and a cake. And it's a big party. It's unbelievable. Can I ask you a question? The father said, if you ever ask me again, you're going to lose your bicycle. What did this kid do to deserve to get a new bicycle? He went across, it said don't walk, and he ran across the street. What his father should have said when he walked into the operating room and the kid was up, he should have said, now you listen to me. You know what you put me and your mother and the whole town and the whole yeshiva through? Are you crazy? How many times did I tell you when it says don't walk, not to walk? What is wrong with you? There's something wrong with you? Bicycles? You're not going to see a bicycle for a hundred years. Do you know what you did to us? Wait till you get home. I'm going to slam you around, kid. And there is no parent in the world that would say that. So what did he do to deserve a party and a bicycle and all this other stuff? What did he do? And the answer is that when his parents thought they lost him, a bicycle wasn't important, and Marx wasn't important, and his meadows weren't important. The only important thing to these parents were that their child was alive, and that their child should be happy. And they knew that a bicycle would make them happy. So no, did he earn it? Just the opposite. He got this bicycle by not listening, by not listening to what he should have listened to. So why am I telling you this story? Why, why was Kaya's throat supposed to be destroyed on Purim? Because we did something good? Because we did something very bad? We bowed down to the Bukhanetz's um, Avoid the Zara and we went to the party. But what happened? What happened? Because we were bad, Hashem signed off that his only child, his only little Chaim, is dead. He signed it. And when he signed it, we were dead. And we should have been dead. And we should have just become Goyim. But what happened? We said, you think we're dead, but we're the nurse in the operating room. We didn't stop trying. We kept breathing. We learned. We davened. We fasted. The Medjah says that the, the little children under Bar Mitzvah fasted for three days, no food. And their mothers came with food and they said no. And they were learning Mishnayis when Haman walked in. So even though Hashem, as far as Hashem was concerned, we were dead, we did not stop breathing. So the Malachim came to Hashem and said, not only aren't they dead, but they're learning more 
They're loving you more. You gave up on them, and they're loving you more. So that moment, says Rav Shimshim Pinkus, that Hashem found out that the nurse came running out and said, you didn't lose your only child, Klai but just the opposite. They're breathing. And then the nurse came out and said, and they're learning. And they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. They're davening. And they're putting on tefillin. And they're keeping tzniyas. And they're not talking Moshin Hara. And they're keeping Shabbos. And they're eating kosher. They can see. They can hear. They can walk. They can talk. They can think. Right? Like this little kid. And Hashem said there, and Hashem got that they're healthy. All Hashem wants to do is to give us whatever we want. Because He thought that He lost us. And when He thought that He lost us, the party of Ashish didn't matter anymore. And assimilation didn't matter anymore. And bowing down to the Bukhanetzah of Zara didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered anymore because he thought we were dead. And that's Purim. And that moment that we came back to life is such a great moment for Hashem that it says in the Shulchan Aruch, right? What does it say? That anybody who puts out their hand on Purim Right? Look in Yishokhanar. Anyone who stretches out his hand, put something in his hand. The halacha of tzedakah the whole year is, you have a right to ask, are you Jewish? Show me a letter. What yeshiva are you from? Who's your rabbi? I don't want to give you tzedakah. You have a right to ask all these questions. I'm probably not allowed to ask anything. Any person puts their hand out to you, tzedakah, you can tell he's not even Jewish, he's like, tzedakah, right? And you're like, did you say Kriyashma today? I did this to one of these guys that was collecting. Did you say Kriyashma today? He looked at me. You know, Kriyashma. Huh? It's, you know, Kriyashma. You know, Shema Yisrael. Tzedakah? I'm like, no. Shema Yisrael. Tzedakah? I said, you only know that word, huh? You're Jewish? He's not. Right? So, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I was going to give him, no. I, was gonna, I, I said, I, mean, I gave him anyway. But, you know, I just wanted to know where I'm at. Who, you know, am I giving a dollar or a quarter? But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, I'm for him, you're not allowed to ask. Call up, please, you nice somewhere. Says the Zayar, that it's not a din in tzedakah. That it's not a, a, a rule in tzedakah, I'm for him. But what it means is, us saying to Hashem, call up, please, I'm for him, any Jew that puts out his hand, Hashem has to put something in that hand. Because he thought that he lost us. And now you got us back, it's a big bicycle in my living room. And therefore the Kavayasha says, I have it here, that any person who gets up for Sikin, that gets up at sunrise, Purim morning, because the sunrise is a big Shas Rachamim, on Purim, whatever he asks for, he'll get, if it's good for him. Of course, if the kid would have said to his father when he said, I love you, I want to get your bicycle, he says, no, forget the bicycle, get me dynamite. No, his father wouldn't have gotten him dynamite, right? So if we're asking for the wrong thing, we're not going to get the wrong thing. But we're asking for the right thing. He says, Purim is the biggest day of Rachamim. It's much bigger than Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim. You know, RC Cola is like Coke. Coke is the better one, the, com- the one you're comparing to. So when you say Yom Kippurim, it means Yom Kippur is like Purim. Purim is bigger than Yom Kippur. Why is Purim bigger than Yom Kippur? Why is Purim bigger than Yom Kippur? Because on Yom Kippur, when you ask for something, they open your books. Oh, you want life? Let's take a look. What did you do last year? Good side, bad side. Purim, they're not allowed to open your books. There's no opening your books. It's that moment where they got it back. You want a bicycle? You want, you want, you want two bicycles? You want five bicycles? You're alive! Purim Hashem asked no question. That's why it's the worst day for the Satan. Because the Satan has no power on Purim. 
There's no power. There's no din. Well, he's asking for this. I want to open his, bo- open his books. Are you crazy? You want me to yell at him? That's what the, the parent that walks in and says, I can't believe what you did. Right? Here's the opposite. He's alive. Get out of here, Satan. He's alive. Imagine someone who walk into the room and say to the father, you know, you shouldn't buy him a bicycle. You should slam him one. Because he walked across the street the wrong way. So get out of my house now. I don't want, don't ever come back to my house. How dare you say that? I can't come back alive. I should slam him. I'm buying him a bike. Get out of here. When the Satan comes on, on Purim, Hashem doesn't listen to him. So Purim is much bigger than Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Satan has a right to, to say Din B'Cheshman. Purim is no Din B'Cheshman. Purim is bigger than Yom Kippur. It's a crazy, amazing day. Shul's here are all full for Sikhan. Women go, men go, everybody goes. It's a very big day. And that's why he makes it a day where you throw up and you drink and you act like an idiot and all these cars with boys and girls in it. Sure, the Satan knows this is the one day I don't want them to be sober. I don't want them to be normal. I want them to smoke up and act like a bunch of idiots. Because Hashem's waiting, no? Call out for Shadia, but if you don't put out your hand, you ain't getting nothing. It's a very, very, very important lesson. It's sort of like this kid after the, you know, he comes home and all these toys are there and everything, and there's like a mean guy standing on the side who has like candy, and he's like, I have candy, let's go to the other room. And the kid never gets to see the bike. He's busy with the candy. So the something comes with the wine, and the drinking, and the girls, and the music, and the limos, and on the street, and throwing up, and act like an idiot, and, and put on parties, and all this stuff, to make sure that you're not going to put your hand out. That's what he does. He's the master of that. He is the master of that. And that's why, and we'll end with this, with a bracha. And that's why Purim is the yantas, the only yantas that's going to be after Mashiach comes. It says after Mashiach comes, Purim, st- Purim is the yantas that's going to stay. I never understood that. Well, I mean, after Mashiach comes and we know the truth and there's no Yetzirah and everything, we're still going to eat hamantashen? And kids are going to run around with masks? And the answer is yes. Because Purim is bigger than any other holiday. What's Pesach? Hashem said, you're going to go into Mitzrayim for 400 years, and then I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim. Right? What's Mashiach? Hashem said, I'm going to put you into Golos, right? Till the year 6,000 or maybe earlier. But Mashiach will come and take you out of Golos. So it's sort of like telling someone, you're sick, you have strep, but you're going to take this antibiotics for 10 days, you'll be better. So, it's very nice. You feel, you got medicine, you're happy, but you're not going crazy. But if someone said, Chatzashom, you have stage four cancer. You are dead in 30 days. And all of a sudden, 30 days later, there's no cancer. That's crazy. That's a party. Why? Because you thought you're dead. You thought you're not getting out of this. So, Mashiach, we know Mashiach's coming. Right? We say it every day. Purim, they thought they were dead. No leader, no Esther, no God. So there wasn't like, you're going to get better, you're going to get out of this. No, you're not getting out of this. You're dead. And we said, no, we're not. We are not giving up on you, Hashem. That's bigger than Mashiach. So after Mashiach, you have to keep this Yom Because this Yom is bigger than Mashiach. Because this Yom we were dead. All the other Yom Tovim, we were sick. 400 years, 2,000 years. But you're going to come out of it. Purim we weren't supposed to come out of. So Purim is bigger than Mashiach. So after Mashiach comes, we're going to walk around and say like, Mashiach, we knew you were coming. Purim, we didn't know that we were going to get out of this. We thought we were dead. And that's why Purim is bigger. And that's why Knowing that there's such a moment where God gave up on us and we didn't give up on Him, that makes the whole month a happy month. Like, if a guy was, you know, because that, that's the question. 
It says, Mishnichnas of Mamatim Simcha. You should have less Simcha. And it tells you how. No meat, no wine, no weddings, no music. But in this month, it says you should be happier. It doesn't tell you drink wine. It doesn't tell you get high. It doesn't tell you how to get happy. When, when it tells you to get sad, it tells you how to get sad. And the reason is because it would be an insult to tell you how to get happy. Knowing that this is such a holy day and you just put out your hand, you're going to get whatever you want. It is a crazy relationship where, where God gave up on us and we didn't give up on Him. That alone, anything that, if we're going to tell you to drink everything, to drink to make you happy, that, that's an insult. That's like a guy saying, hey boys, you know I'm getting married September 15th. Really? Yeah, Mazel Tov. By the way, I think I have to drink every day till then to, to be happy. That ain't a good shidduch. <laughs> if you got to drink the month that you're getting married till the wedding to be happy, then you're not happy with the wedding. A guy that's happy with the wedding doesn't have to drink. He's like, 14 days, 13 days, 12 days, 11 days. So we, if, if the, if the Chachamim in, in Shulchan Aruch would tell us how to be happier, it's an insult to God. What do you mean how to be happier? This is, a, this is our wedding day. This is a crazy day. This is the day that I said you're dead and you said you're not. It's a crazy day. I got you back. Chaim's alive. We got a heartbeat back. That's why Mishnech is Adam Rama Simcha. It's bigger than any other month. It's bigger than Mashiach. It's bigger than any other day in the year. It's bigger than Yom Kippur. That's a day you got to be careful not to waste. That's what's coming up. And that's, that's, that's Purim. So my bracha to all of you is that that this Purim you put out your hand and Hashem should put something in that hand. Something special, something holy. And the whole class should put out their hand. Kishbaku should put the Beis HaMikdash in her hands. And should put Mashiach in her hands. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com